0: About the ingredients of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what the Gospel of Mark is all about. That's what I want us to get excited about. Maybe the cake will help you get excited about the other stuff. In the cake, just the cake part because the icing is coming, Ooh, wait for it, wait for it. The cake itself, you go and you get a butter fudge cake mix, you'll find that at Publix, and then you get instant chocolate pudding mix you already can tell that this thing is going to have moisture and you're liking it the cake itself and then you put a little cooking oil in there some eggs probably about four eggs dump a little water in it and then here's a really really critical ingredient of the mini version one pound of mini chocolate chips one pound a whole pound you with me already your heart rate is going up from just eating that much sugar right now but but we're not done Wait, oh, I left out the sour cream. There's sour cream. That's why it's so moist. All of that, the pudding mix, the sour cream, the eggs. <laughs> and th- I just want you to know this, and I'm not sharing. This cake will be eaten this afternoon at my son's birthday party. That's what's going to happen, and you're not invited. The icing. Confectioner's sugar, that's 10x for those of you who have been in the grocery store before. Cream cheese, oh, Yeah. Hershey's cocoa, the powder, to make it nice and chocolatey. A little teaspoon of vanilla butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to have some cholesterol gathering around your heart in that. But wait, another pound of chocolate chip minis. That's two pounds in this cake of chocolate chip minis. Well, that's it. That's the silly illustration. But notice the, the ingredients are fun to talk about. But really you put them all together and that's when you get the special thing. And that's what's going on with these themes. And just to be really clear, what these themes are doing is working to gain our allegiance. We don't have, we're not talking about Jesus and we're not talking about God's presence or, or God's kingdom. We're not talking about that without also saying what is our response? always God does something and then we respond and it's really clear that we're being asked to sell out. You're being asked and I'm being asked to make my allegiance, my love for, my relationship with, my loyalty to the Almighty God of the universe whom I know in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm being asked to sell out and make that relationship the center and fundamental thing in who I am. Everything else Becomes secondary, tertiary, and whatever the word is for the fourth and the fifth circles, out from the bullseye. Right in the center, running the show, calling the shots. And so we see again, we we were asked to read this week Mark chapter 11, 12, and 13. The text we're going to read for our careful look at this morning comes from chapter 12. And it's chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And I want to say one word about introducing it before we read it, and the word is this. Jesus has been, in, throughout his ministry and certainly in the Gospel of Mark, constantly and regularly being attacked, criticized, attempts to trick him, all by religious leaders who were threatened by him. He's, he, he threatens them, and they're trying to ask trick questions. He just, before our incident, our episode, has come off another encounter where a large group of people are throwing what they think are, careful, are, are difficult trick questions. And, of course, Jesus fillets the question, gives them an answer, they just walk away. I can't believe that God did it again. And here, however, we have a slightly different case. A single religious authority person comes to Jesus, and what I want you to do is realize that this man appears to be sincere, and he is sincere. So usually Jesus is being attacked by these religious leaders, but here we have a guy coming to talk to Jesus, and there's something going on with this guy's heart, because he wants to have a real conversation with Jesus. There's no trick going on here. So let me read it. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, the teacher of the law asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to the teacher of the law, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. So take a look with me in this text. Look at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law, just so you understand what this means, remembering that in the first century, in the eastern Mediterranean Palestine where, where Jewish people lived, what you know today as the nation of Israel, more or less, those people were bright people, hard-working people, but they were not literate people. They couldn't write and they couldn't read, not because they weren't intelligent, but because school, they didn't have time for it, they just worked. And so the way of life for those folks, good, hard-working, intelligent people, regular people just like you and I, except they didn't have the benefit of schools, and so very few people could, read, could write very much, and only a few people could read and write really well. This, this teacher of the law, or scribe, or lawyer, he's one of those, and so there was in their world, people like that who did go to school and who can read and write and keep records. And so these lawyers would help with business transactions, et cetera, making proper accounting for things. But also they worked for the religious structure. They were the people that made sure that the clergy and other religious leaders had everything they needed with respect to sort of knowing all the rules. So this guy who comes to G Jesus, he's one of those. He works for the religious establishment and they call him a teacher of the law it means he knows all the rules now the law for those of us that aren't familiar with all this means for Jewish people all of the book the Bible it means that's they just say they call it the law they have a word for it Torah T-O-R-A-H and so this guy knows the book the Bible our part of the Bible that comes after Jesus hasn't been written yet obviously but this is 39 books and so he knows it and then here's what happened over a couple of thousand years these people built a bunch of rules and the rules added up to being 613 rules that's how many rules I had and so there were rules that said about 365 of them said you don't do this don't do that don't do that don't do that don't do that and another 248 I think said do this do this do this do this this man is an expert in that stuff He knows knows the Bible itself, plus all the rules have been written about how we're supposed to live our life and how to conduct business and how we're supposed to do things. He knows all of that stuff. And he comes to Jesus with sincerity. And he asks Jesus this question, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And what he had in mind was the Ten Commandments plus all of those 39 books plus all of the 613 rules that have been written about it. So it's, it's all of that. And this was a way that people in the, their faith would sort of kick it around. It's sort of like saying, um, how would you summarize the, the views of somebody? It was, a, it was a common practice. How would you summarize what the Christian faith meant? And some people might say back to you something like this. Well, what the Christian faith is about is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In fact, that's a favorite one for Hebrew people to say that one. And so it's a conversation that would happen in their culture. It's a way of sort of advancing everybody's understanding, and it was friendly. This man is not trying to trick Jesus. It's an ordinary way of saying, how can we get a kind of an elevator speech version of what we believe, and then let's, let's just have some fun kicking it around with each other. And that's what this is. And so here's Jesus' elevator speech when asked, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus, look how he responds. The most important one, Jesus answers, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he goes on, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, what I want you to understand is this. Jesus is quoting one of the books of the Hebrew Bible. He's quoting Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to recite it for you in Hebrew, part of it. You ready? Hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael. Shema, here, Yisrael, Israel. The Lord, Adonai, our God, Eloheinu, the Lord, Adonai is one, Achad. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. I could sing it for you but I'm not gonna. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. I did it. So what you got to understand is that then and now every faithful pious Jewish person knows those words in Hebrew and sings them every morning and every evening. All of them. It was happening then. It's still happening now. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. It's the center of those folks' understanding. It's like for you and me, the Lord's Prayer. You know it. My guess is. My guess is that you're not in this room without knowing it. Maybe you're not familiar with it, but this is what we're going to do. We're gonna say it together, right now. The Lord's Prayer. Now, some people say debts and debtors, other people say trespasses and trespasses, and so the debt and debtor people will wait on those of you who trespass, because you got all those sibilants, and they run on for a while, it's okay. I'm in charge, I'll lead it when we get past the sibilants, and we'll go on to the next line. So I want you to do this, I want you to close your eyes, if it helps, bow your head, and let's say together, I'll lead the Lord's Prayer, our Father, amen. So there, we, we do the same thing. It's a way of collecting. It's like an elevator speech version of what we believe. And the Lord's prayer would be a great one to use. And that's what's going on here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Achad. But Jesus does something really interesting here He adds a second piece to it. That was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 that Jesus quotes. But look what he does next. The second is, and remember, the teacher of the law didn't ask you for two. He asked for one. But Jesus goes, the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In Matthew's version, it says, all of all of the law, the 613 rules, the 39 books, all of the law hang on this. So Jesus has given a summary, but this is what's really interesting. That as best the, the, the historians can tell, no one in the history of Israel had ever put them together before. Jesus puts together Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, hero Israel, with Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor. He puts them together. Jesus is telling us that the secret sauce of getting to the center of things is loving God and loving your neighbor. We have to do both. In fact, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, Greek word, cardia, with all of your soul, psuche is the Greek word from which we get psychology. Love with all of your mind, your understanding, dianoia is the Greek word. And with all of your strength, excuse is the Greek word. So Jesus saying everything you got all in. Jesus is saying that the almighty king of the universe lays claim to the entirety of the human existence. And remember, we're being, we're being asked to vote. We're being asked to make a choice. We're being asked to make Jesus the center of things. We're being asked to say, this is what I'm going to make my life about. To, to love the Lord our God with everything we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we're being asked to do. One of the problems, however, is it ain't real easy to love your neighbor these days. And I'm going to say things to you that you haven't heard much of me about, but I'm going to talk about politics a little bit, if I could. We, we haven't been very loving with each other, and, I, and right now, today, we're in the midst of what, how many days we have left, about nine, and then the election is over. And here's, here's what I want you to understand. We have to love God and love our neighbor, even if our neighbor is one of those. What if your neighbor is gonna vote for Trump? You still have to love your neighbor. Or if your neighbor's gonna vote for Biden, you gotta vote for your neighbor. What if your neighbor is a progressive or a liberal, guess what? According to Jesus, you have to love them. What if your neighbor is a knuckle-dragging, caveman conservative? You have to love them. So I I played a little bit there. I'm not in this room to tell you how to vote. And in fact, I I respect you way too much. And by the way, I have strong opinions about things, and I'm very fond of my own views. So I don't give up my perspectives easily. And yes, we differ about these matters and we differ deeply, but here's what we don't get to do. We don't get to not love. And what's going on out here today, my friends, is that people who are clearly followers of Jesus are really being ugly. And you you cannot make the case for being hateful and vitriolic and say you're a follower of Jesus when we differ so deeply. Yes, we differ. And yes, things matter in the way we think we ought to be doing it, chasms apart. But we do not get to be unloving. You don't get a hall pass on that. I don't get a hall pass on that. Believe me, for me, it's really hard because I do feel deeply about things, really deeply. But man, here's a slogan-ish way of catching it. To love your neighbor, as Jesus says we have to love, means we have to figure out how to disagree Without being disagreeable, we just, you can't be demonizing someone because of their views and think that somehow you're in God's bullseye. It just doesn't work. So I didn't say it was easy, it's really hard. And you know, there's something else going on with us today, and I'm calling it cultural burnout. We're tired. The, the, the election thing, we're all just so tired of it, and it's been uh, very hard for us, and we feel so strongly, and we're very worried, but we got the COVID thing, and we're, we're debating about what we should or shouldn't be doing about that, and we've made all the issues of COVID have become divisive in our culture, and we got the, the racial tension issues and deep division about all of that and what's really going on and, who, and all of that, and then the economy and fear about that and people losing their jobs. We're, we're on the edge of burnout. And I think the word that helps us get through it is just tap the brakes and be gracious. And believe me, I'm looking in a mirror. Believe me, I am. See, we just have to realize we don't get to not love people. And so, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you an independent? I'm giving you a new party right now this morning from Jesus himself. And I want you to think of yourself, however you're registered, I want you to think of yourself as a kingdom independent. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God and to that extent that's where your chief loyalty lies. If your loyalty is with your party or your or your platform or your policy or your candidate sooner or later that will disappoint you. The king will never disappoint you. Yes we differ and yes it's important But here's what I want you to know. Here's what kingdom Independents do. They build their view of everything, including social policy and political questions around a biblical perspective. And reasonable people might not agree on everything about that, but if you have all these strong views, but you can't show how you reach them through your careful study of scripture, then you haven't yet become a mature kingdom independent. And that's what you're being challenged to do in every realm of life. I said a few minutes ago, the king of the universe has claimed rights to everything about human existence, including the way we do this, this politics thing, this voting thing. So, yes, you have to think carefully about what you believe and how you're going to vote and why, but it has to be driven by things in Scripture that are principles, that are ideas that you know, I'm doing this and this and this for this reason, and this is what it says I ought to be about, so I'm going to be about it. And again I'm not telling you how to vote I respect you too much there's a second piece of it that's really important and that is this relationships with each other in the kingdom always trump our differences you can't say that I'm gonna disagree with somebody and be ugly and vitriolic and mean and hateful to them in the kingdom